Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Sarah Devonier, and we're here in the Washington, D.C. area, and we're talking to different people about different complexities. Today we're with Tara, and she's willing to share her story about chronic illness, which is something that you might not normally think about as being associated with faith. But Tara's going to talk about how her faith has been affected by her illness, and we're really appreciating her sharing that with us. Thank you so much for being here. I'm happy to be here. First off, will you, as we as we go into the discussion um, about a sensitive topic and a personal one, will you talk about the beginnings of your faith and sort of your perception of what what faith looks like and and what your faith looked like early on? So. Um... My parents really informed my idea of what faith looked like. Um, my dad grew up in a little town in Oregon. My mom grew up uh, in East Boston. Uh, they had very different experiences. My mom joined the church when she was 17. She was at the time going to an all-girls Catholic school. And um, my my dad grew up in the church. and But they always um, used to tell me stories about how their testimonies developed. And my dad was um, a great proponent of hard work. And he felt like it applied to the development of a testimony. Mm -hmm. And so he used to tell me all the time that if I wanted my own testimony, I had to be able to work hard for it. And that meant reading my scriptures, on my own, going to seminary, and that was 4.30 in the morning, none of this seven o'clock or at school <laughs> stuff. It was, you know, you really had to want it. Um, and, um, and then my mom, she left behind everything she knew, really, to join the church. And um, so those two examples really influenced my yeah, when it sounds like with your mom, it was a different kind of work, sacrifice yes. and, and work, the work of the heart. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like that, those two different approaches helped to shape your faith in sort of maybe nuanced ways that other people might not have? Yeah. Well, um, I just really believed that following their example, if I wanted my own testimony, I was going to have to put forth great effort. And so um, I think when I was young, that really was obvious in my attitude towards prayer. So I really put a lot of effort into that relationship with Heavenly Father and prayer. And I don't know where this came from, but I had a, this attitude of um, being very honest in my prayers. I didn't. I don't know where it came from, but I was very honest. I didn't sugarcoat it <laughs> with Heavenly Father. If I was really struggling, I, I said it, you know? If yeah. I was angry about something, I said it. And um, I came to a place where I really trusted that relationship and I felt safe there. Yeah. And that is kind of a different kind of work. Again, I think some people, they wouldn't think of prayer as work. I like thinking yeah. of that as 
as work, if God's work and glory is to bring to pass our immortality and eternal life, we might have to work to develop a relationship. Yeah. Would you describe that relationship with him? I mean, you said that you were honest. As you got older, what did that look and feel like? Well, I don't want to give the impression that um, that my early years were easy because they weren't. I mean, I grew up in Massachusetts and in a small town, and so um, everyone knew I was Mormon. Um, it was not an easy thing. It was, uh, you know, I really had to decide at a young age, do I really believe this? Am I going to put in the effort that this requires? <laughs> Am I always going to have to stand up for the things that I believe in? Um, so it was, it was, it wasn't an easy thing, um, but. Um, Am I answering your question, or is it? Well, yeah, I, because the assumption would be if you have a relationship with God, therefore life is easy, right? Yeah. And and it's it's not. So yeah. the relationship does not foster ease at no. all. No. There there is no ease in Zion. No. I remember like to to go along with my parents. My um, my grandpa was a patriarch, and we used to go to Oregon. And I was around the time I was turning 14, and my parents said, you know, your, your grandpa would like to give you a prayer blessing. Um, we will be going there to visit in about a year. You should take the entire year and prepare for your oh. blessing. And so that meant fasting and praying about it. And I remember I had three very specific questions that I asked Heavenly Father that I would, and I said, you know, I'd really appreciate <laughs> if you'd answer these questions. And sure enough, the Page of Blessing, there's three paragraphs that answer those mm. very specific questions. And so that was probably like the beginnings of my own yeah. experience. Well, and I think it, in, in the beginning, in this sort of creative period of your relationship, it does feel like I can ask a specific question and get a specific answer. That changes. And, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, and yeah. Let, let's get into that. Yeah. As, as that evolves, and I'm using that word intentionally, yeah. I think our relationship with God can evolve, and again, it's not easy. Mm -mm. Will you talk about what it felt like as you realized um, what your physical life was going to look like, mm -hmm. and, and how that affected your perception and your relationship with God? Mm -hmm. So, um, the thing that I've struggled with has been Lyme's disease, mm -hmm. and co they call it co-infections, so infections that come along with that. And um, I became sick right after having my first baby. And so it was initially diagnosed as severe postpartum. I, I wasn't sleeping at all. Um, I would go days without sleep. When I did sleep, it was tortured sleep. It was. Um, horrific dreams, and when I was awake, I'd often hallucinate. I had what they called meningitis headaches, oh. which it's like, it's like a meningitis infection. It's like your neck is just in so much pain. Um, if I stood up, I passed out. So my husband had to carry me from room to oh room. Oh my goodness. So um, 
Lyme's disease wasn't really, it still isn't very well understood. And so um, for a long time, they thought I had lupus, and then they thought I had MS, and then they considered West Nile. So um, I'll tell you the thing that, that got me through it was I, um, I had a, a time where I didn't sleep for days, and my husband gave me a blessing. And in the blessing, I had a very particular image come to my mind of the Savior. And he told me, I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to get you through this. And I didn't understand what was wrong because I hadn't even been diagnosed yet. But um, I fell asleep immediately after that blessing. And then three days later, again, I was incredibly ill. And my husband gave me a blessing again. And he told me, in the blessing to think back on the image. And I hadn't mentioned this to my husband at all. Wow. And he told me to think back on the image that I had seen uh, a couple nights earlier and to know that it was true. And so um, I went through 10 years of doctors telling me that I was uh, crazy, that it, that it wasn't, um, that it wasn't limes, even though it had come back showing that it was limes, that it was other things. Uh, I, I went through a lot of people telling me that what I was perceiving and experiencing wasn't accurate. And if it hadn't been for that experience that I had, it would have rocked my world. But I knew what I had experienced. I really, I clung to it. Yeah, 10 years is so long to deal with that much uncertainty, and not just uncertainty, having people doubt you and yeah. say that they'd, what was it about that experience that helped you get through that much uncertainty and, and pain and yeah. confusion and exhaustion, I would imagine? Yeah. Um, the experience was it just changed me. It's not like I have lots of visions or that type of thing. I felt like he gave me just what I needed to know that what I was experiencing was true, mm -hmm. that it was real. To trust yourself. Yeah. And um, it was just enough and that I could look back on it and refer to it. And it gave me strength to, to deal with it's really hard when you have doctors telling you <laughs> that what you're experience that what you know you're experiencing is not accurate, and um, that's a really hard place to be in mentally because you're all, the illness um, eventually affects you mentally. When you do it long enough, it eventually starts to affect you mentally, and so when you have doctors yeah. attacking. <laughs> that basic, you're not even sane type of thing, it, um, it can be really, really hard. Yeah, I can't imagine. So. And I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability too. How did the illness affect you spiritually? I know, I know you have this, this clear, ringing, defining moment, yeah. but, but for the day-to-day, yeah. how because you, you, you learn how to work. Your parents yeah. taught you how to work for your testimony. Yeah. But what did the day-to-day -day look like? How did the illness affect your daily spirituality? That was hard because 
I mean, that's that's a great experience to have and everything, but like you're pointing out, it can it doesn't necessarily translate always in the day to day. Right. And so I had little ones. I had I have four children, and so um, it was a very hard thing. I remember around dusk every evening. It, for some reason, dusk was really hard for me because I'd be in bed and I'd hear the kids outside playing and I'd hear the basketballs and I'd, I'd hear the bikes being put away and everything and I would think another day, another day where I wasn't a part of their lives. And I, it would be a lot of wondering, um, my father, what's going on here? Why did you give me these four beautiful kids and I can't even mother them. Um, and I kept getting the impression that they were going to be okay, that Heavenly Father was, was somehow going to get the mothering in that they needed. And so what ended up happening is they would come in my room at night and bring their books, and I would read to them. And so that was our special time, was me um, being able to read to them. Or sometimes they'd bring in their their um, coloring pads and we'd color and stuff and but it was really it was hard what i think is so beautiful about that you reminded me of a a line from the new testament mm -hmm. about resurrection morning yes it talks about how mary went to the tomb when it was yet dark mm -hmm. that's dusk right yes yes what is it about recognize him, recognizing him mm -hmm. when it's still dark mm -hmm. that helped you move forward? It wasn't midday. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really even resurrection morning, right? It was pre-resurrection morning. Yeah. How did that help you keep going so that you could do that every day and do it again the next day? You know, I don't, I know it's become a very popular term, um, but there are tender mercies that somehow sneak in. And do you think they, when you're working in darkness, that you see them more? What, what, how does that help? I don't know help? if you, I, I think you can, it's a choice. Like, yeah. you can be very bitter. And heaven knows I, I struggled against the bitterness. Or you can decide I'm going to look today for the things to be grateful for and it would be really little things like I remember one time like being up early early in the morning like five in the morning and um, my hands were just hurting so bad so that I was standing at the kitchen sink with my hands under the hot water and I was warming them and I looked out and there were all these little birds taking a a dirt bath in the ground and it was the funniest little thing and it just lifted me do you know mm -hmm. like those little things just lifted me and and I ended up finding a lot of comfort in nature I go and wrap myself in my blanket and sit in my Adirondack and just being outside yeah. reminded me that that he was near and look at all the amazing things he had created yeah which <laughs> That's a different kind of work. You're appreciating the works of God. <laughs> yes, yeah. The little works of God, those little birds. What a, what a sweet image. Yeah, it really was. 
let me ask you one last question. Um, and, and this will be tender, I think, because when we do these podcasts, mm -hmm. I get to connect with wonderful, hardworking, faithful people like you. Yeah. But I always imagine who's listening. Yes. So I'm imagining someone out there, mm -hmm. maybe a mom who's chronically ill, mm -hmm. and she's getting up in the morning and she's looking at her hands and saying, what, what tender mercy can I see today? Yes. So Tara, will you talk to her? Mm -hmm. What would you tell her? Oh, I would tell her that what she's experiencing is real, that the heartache and the mourning and the sadness that it's valid, it's, a, it's, it's very real what she's experiencing. And that, that's such a hard question. Really, you need people that are willing to sit with you in your darkness. Hmm. I remember people, home teachers and stuff, and visiting teachers saying, what can we do, what can we do? And they wanted me to say a meal or, and that's not what I needed. I needed friendship. I needed people that were willing to sit with me in my dark place and just mm. love me. You know, with me still in my pajamas at three in the afternoon and the kitchen sink still filled with dishes. I needed people that could see all that and be a part of all that and still know that I was of value and yeah. still love me. And so I would say, cling to those people that truly know you and love you and invite them into your life even on those ugly days because they bring an energy and a vibrancy that you're probably struggling to create your own you yeah know? I, so. I love that well and it makes me happy for mary yes. she had somebody to go with her and yes. i haven't thought of that before yes. she, she didn't go alone did she mm -mm, no um and that that we don't have to but sometimes we might need to invite it yes other people to work with us yes come and work with me when we're that exhausted yeah it's like rubbing two sticks together with no spark <laughs> sometimes you need somebody else to come in and yeah. offer what they have so. yeah do you have anything else that you'd like to add that you'd like to share just that i think that it can be such a lonely experience but i really believe that our savior is so accessible and so really desires to walk with us when whatever struggles we're, we're carrying. And there will be periods where it feels like a desert, where it just feels like you're not, the, the, the prayers are just hitting the ceiling, you know? But that I really believe that if we're willing to stick it out long-term, we are going to see his hand yeah. So. Um, I'm sorry for your suffering, mm. but I'm so grateful for the light that you bring to others when it is yet dark. Oh, that's kind of you. So thank, thank you. you for being willing to share and for the work that you did to get here. Oh, thank you. Yes.